Well, my name is uh, Pastor Bob. I'm one of the pastors here at Bridgewater, and we're in this series, Mirror Images, talking about uh, some of the foundational truths in God's Word that really are quite controversial in our society. And so uh, I was talking to the, the guy who did the host time before, and he said, this is going to be controversy bingo this morning. So like, if you can think of something, well, I'll probably cover it. Um, so, but what we're talking about is um, the, the implications of, of God's Word right from the beginning. And last week we talked about, there, there's two really important questions we need to answer. One is, who is God? The other is, who am I? Who, who are we as people? And so last week we focused on the who is God thing. God's the creator of everything. And, and the God we worship is the God of the Bible. It's not the God I made up yesterday. It's not the God our society makes up today. It, it is the God that doesn't change and he has revealed himself in God's word. And if that sounds crazy to you, that we take our cue and the authority of everything in our life comes from a book written by a bunch of dead people thousands of years ago, if that sounds crazy to you, listen to last week. Go to bridgewater.church and, um, and think about, if that's crazy, what are the alternatives? Because I have found the other alternatives to be even crazier. So... Um, Bible is the authority of our lives, and then truth and grace are, are the, the, the approach we need to have in our lives. Truth and grace are not polar opposites, that if you tell the truth, you're not being gracious. If you're gracious, you can't tell the truth. No, they're the, they're the same, and this is our model in Jesus Christ. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. It's talking about Jesus and we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. And so I hope to personify that this morning. I may fail. Um, but I do want to say, if you're watching online especially, don't log off like halfway through because you've got the truth part and I haven't gotten to grace yet. Um, and if you're here in the room, don't walk out, okay? If you need to go to the bathroom, go now. People will think... You're angry if you walk out later. Um, also, there, there, there's a lot that we are talking about. And if you want to dig a little bit deeper and learn a little bit more, we have put together a resource page at bridgewater.church mirror, or you can scan this QR code and bookmark that. And there'll be videos and articles and things like that every week that we post to add um, about the different issues that, that we've talked about. And so Genesis 1.26 says this, answering the question, who am I? Who are you? God said, let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness. Interesting, first page of the Bible, the Trinity is there. He's not saying to the angels, let's make man like us. Because no, it's in the image of God, not the image of angels that were made. Um, and so he, the, the Trinity is there so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over the livestock and over the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Who are we as people? Well, this is clearly stating that all people, all people, we all trace our ancestry back to Adam and Eve, and we are all made in the image of God. And there's a lot of implications to that. And, and a lot of you don't know this. You might know some of this. This church is 215 years old. Okay, so we've been around for a little while. And we had a church split over politics, and it was in 1839. 
The split was, they said that this church was too involved politically, fighting slavery. And by too involved, here's what they meant. The, the senior pastor of this church, Jesse Warden, and you can see his tombstone over in the Montrose Cemetery, along with an elder in the church, Albert Post, they started the first uh, local abolitionist society. For those of you who don't know history, abolitionist means someone who wants to end all slavery. And so they started the first society in town. Um, Jesse Warden, the senior pastor, was the chairman of that society. And then they also started a, a newspaper for the freedom of the colored race. That, those are the words they used back in 1839. You know? and, and then in addition to that, Albert Post, the, the uh, elder in the church, was also a lawyer in town. And you can see his house on the end of Cherry Street where he, has, uh, he had a, a, a hidden room where he hid runaway slaves, which was illegal, and he broke the law on a regular basis. And he would have bounty hunters coming to his house demanding that he show them, you know, deliver these, you know, slaves to them. And his response would be, he, he would say, you come and accuse me in my own home of illegal activity? Why don't you look? Look. And they'd look. They wouldn't find anything. So I'm a lawyer. I'm going to sue your pants off if you aren't out of here by the morning. We don't want you or any of your bounty hunters around here. How dare you come to my own house and accuse me of illegal activity? I am a man of standing in this community. And he'd run them off. And then he'd let the slaves move on to their next stop on their way to Canada. And, and so there's many in the church who said, this is wrong. Your this church shouldn't be so political. Do you hear that today? And, and I, are you ashamed that this church was too political in 1839 and fighting slavery? No. Truth is, there's a lot of political issues that are moral issues. And the church shouldn't be political but we should stand for what's right. And we find what's right in the word of God, not in our newspapers, and not even in the laws of the land. And, and so all people are made in the image of God. There's a lot of implications to this. Um, this is, this is um, I'm gonna try and remember, John McLean. He was a Supreme Court justice in uh, 1857, and he wrote the dissenting opinion in Dred Scott. Dred Scott was the worst, historians would say, this is the worst Supreme Court decision ever. Many, many historians would say that. There might be one that's worse. But, um, and it basically said, um, this, this man, Dred Scott, um, was petitioned the United States government for his freedom, for him, his wife, and his two kids. And they had been in a state that was a free state, and so, but he wanted to take it to the, came to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court decided in the Dred Scott decision that he was not a U.S. citizen because he was a slave and he had absolutely no rights in the United States of America. Seven to two to the side of that. There were two men that dissented. And uh, John McLean was one of them. And this is his reason for dissenting. A slave is not mere chattel. That's an old word for property. He bears the impress, the likeness of his maker. And he is destined to endless existence. The reason John McLean dissented from the majority of those Supreme Court justices is because he believed in Genesis 1, 26 and 27. It's the reason. And he quotes it right here. You are made the impress in the image of God. And, and so we are different from the animals, right? This is Alex the parrot. Um, God rest his soul, died in 2007, was uh, 
owned by uh, an Arizona and Harvard animal psychologist for over 30 years who taught him, she taught him over 100 words. Now, there are a lot of animals, a lot of parrots that, that can learn eight to 900 words or more, but a lot of that is just mimicry. Alex actually knew what those words meant, and he could count to six. <laughs> this is similar to the intelligence of chimpanzees, orangutans, and porpoises. Uh, dolphins, you know, they're able to, to count to six, maybe to 10, and learn maximum 100, 110 words, something like that. Uh, do you know how many words the average, not a smart human, but the average human, yeah, people like us, okay? Do you know how many, do you know how many words the average American, they say, I don't know who they are, knows 42,000 words. Any of you play Wordle? Wordle. It's an old people game. You're not old enough. Yeah. 42,000 words. And they say if you start as a child, the average human being can learn six to seven languages. Average. Um, so the smartest animal knows 100 words, and that's only if they're trained from a young age and only if they seem to have an aptitude for it of the smartest species on earth, 100 words, versus the average human being can learn over 200,000 words. 2,000 times greater aptitude for language. Let me just ask you, if I said there was an animal that was 2,000 times faster than any other animal, you'd be like, that's, that's alien. That's totally different. Like, that's the difference between a snail and a rabbit, you know, or a cheetah. Like, that's not, is that an evolutionary step 2,000 times more? That's an evolutionary canyon. There is, no, there is no step from that to that. What if I told you there is an animal that was 2,000 times stronger than any other animal? I mean, there, there's nothing, nothing like that. We are different. We are unique. We are not an animal. We're not like them. In fact, here's another illustration. Elephants are the, are the oh, we didn't have a picture of the elephant. Oh, well. That was a picture of an elephant. It's a little bit bigger than that. 16,000 pounds. They can be up to 16,000 pounds and, and um, they can literally carry a car and they can drag a tractor trailer, I mean, without wheels. I, I, they're, they're just incredibly strong. There's about half a million elephants in the world today. How many people would it take to kill every single one of those elephants? One. Other than God, who, who's the only, what, what's the only thing that could stop that one person from killing a half a million elephants? Other people, right? Other than God, we, here's, here's the bottom line, we have our God-given authority that matches our God-like power on earth. We, we do. We rule. And it's an unquestionable rule. And this is not from the Bible, this is from Spider-Man. With great power <laughs> comes great responsibility. <laughs> and that's so true, right? God has given us, and, and so all human life is, you know, incredibly powerful. And, um, you know, we, we are told, our society tells us two lies to two extremes. On the one side, our society tells us we are God. 
because it attributes to us things that only God can do. Like, you can be whatever you want to be. I heard that as a child. Any of you hear that as a child? You can be whoever you want to be. You know what? I wanted to be an NBA basketball player. There's only three problems. I'm five foot eight, five seven and seven eighths, but you know, <laughs> who's counting? We'll round up. I'm too slow and I was uncoordinated. Other than that, I would have been, and it didn't matter how much I practiced and how much I loved the game and how much I, I wanted to be. Why? Because only God can make something whatever he wants it to be, right? We have limitations. And so, you know, if you live like you're God, here's another thing that this, our society says we are God. And that is, you know, whatever you do you, whatever you think is right is right, whatever you think is wrong is wrong. Throughout almost all of human history, Whoever decides morality, right and wrong, that has been only a God has the power to decide what's right and wrong, has the authority to decide what's right and wrong. Only a God. And that's, we're not gods. If you live like you're a God, you will have problems because it's not true. I can be whatever I want. It's not true. It's going to create problems, broken dreams and, and things. I can do whatever I want. I can make reality. You're going to have problems because that's not true. But the flip side is our culture then also, there's part of our culture that says the opposite, that you're just an animal and you, you're, just, you're just a smart monkey and, and you're not special at all. Let me tell you, elephants don't sit around discussing what they can do to, to limit global warming, Right? You know, George, you need to less flatulence over there. You're a global warming machine, you know. <laughs> you know, we need to figure out, you know, some solar panels. Like, no. And your dog and cat will not stand before God on the judgment day and give an answer for everything they vocalized. But you will. And I will. Why? Because we are made in the image of God. We are not animals. You live like an animal, you will have problems. We are not God. You live like God, you will have problems. We are something different, entirely different. The Bible says we're made in the image of God. We are like God. We are not God. We are not animals, but we're like God. And if that is true, then that means all human life is equally sacred, and that has enormous implications for society and for our lives. Again, the verse, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. All human life is equally sacred, male and female. This has implications about gender in our culture. Do you know, do you know who was the first person to witness the resurrected Jesus Christ? Do you know who that was? Mary of Magdalene. Mary Magdalene, a woman. Even though in that society, a woman's testimony was worth less than a man's. You know what? We, we need to stop taking our cues from society and take them from God's word. Do you know who is the most, Jesus is God, so other than God, who is the most respected human being to ever live in Christian circles? Who, if, you, if you got a Christian from anywhere in the world and took a poll, who is the most respected human being to ever live other than Jesus who is God? Do you know who they would say? Mary, the mother of Jesus. Yeah. She happens to be a, a woman. <laughs> Who was the first person to declare that Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah? In John 4. 
the Samaritan woman. Now, she not only was a woman, she was a Samaritan. She was the wrong race. And then she was the wrong social status as well because she was divorced five times and living with a man who wasn't her husband. And when Jesus started talking to her, she was like, why are you talking to me? I'm a woman. I'm a Samaritan. You guys are up here. I'm down here. Jesus didn't take his cues from society and neither should we. You know, it affects our beliefs about gender. It affects, um, here's a, a great verse about that in the New Testament by, by the Apostle Paul. He says, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female for you all, one in Jesus Christ. Now, is he saying that there's no such thing as genders? No such thing as male and female. No, he's, he's not saying there's no such thing as Jew or Gentile either. Obviously, there's Jews and Gentiles are like me and most of us here that are not Jews slaves, lots of slaves in the Roman Empire. He's not saying there's no slaves. He's saying it doesn't matter if you are a slave or if you're free. There are no second-class citizens in heaven. God doesn't have any grandkids. He doesn't have any nieces and nephews. You are a child of God, male or female. You're an equal heir before God. Kara Foster shared with me something that I didn't really realize. Firsts in the Bible are really important. Who is the first Jew? Abraham, really important guy. Who's the first one to find grace in the eyes of the Lord? Noah, important character. Who's the first polygamist? A double murderer, Lamech. That's important. Like when when something happens first, it's like a little, well, often in the Bible, there's a little asterisk and say, hey, pay attention this is a good guy, or this is a really bad thing, you know. And so who is the first person in the Bible? I didn't realize this. Who's the first person in the Bible to describe God and give him a name? She calls him El Roy, Hagar, who's Egyptian, African, a woman, and a slave. And she says to God, I, I was going to die. I was alone in the desert. Me and my son, we were about to die. But God saw me. I will worship El Roy, the God who sees me. And so you know, the, all throughout the Bible, we realize we are all created in God's image. This affects our beliefs about gender and it affects our beliefs about race. You know, so many times, Moses, I've talked about this before, Moses married his second wife. His first wife died. His second wife he married was a Cushite, which means she was Ethiopian. She was black. And, and his, his sister Miriam and brother Aaron were upset at him at that. And so God struck Miriam white with leprosy, as white as snow. You want white? I'll make you white. And Moses had to pray that she'd be less white. <laughs> so that she'd be healed of that dreaded disease. And, and so, you know, they're, they're, this affects race. Let me ask you this question. Do black lives matter? Yeah, a lot of times I ask rhetorical questions. This is not a rhetorical question. Do black lives matter? Yeah. Why, why can't we say that? Well, there's this organization that's recently declared bankruptcy that ripped people off and misspent millions of dollars called Black Lives Matter. That's not what we mean, is it? We're saying something. Now, let me ask you this. Do all lives matter? Yes. You're getting better on that one. 
No, 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 no. You see, if you say that, then you're diminishing the, the, the difficulties and the, the persecution and racism of American sisters. No, I'm not. If I said all lives matter and, and America's never had a problem with racism, that would be diminishing, right? But that's not... Let me, let me ask you this. Do white lives matter? Yes. We're a little bit unsure about that one. Because <laughs> you say that you're a white supremacist, you know? No, you're not. If you say white lives matter more, then you're a white supremacist. But wh why can't we say these things? Because we're taking our cues from our culture and CNN, and we're not taking our cues from the Bible. Black lives matter, white lives matter, Asian lives matter, Native American, Hispanic lives matter. All lives matter because we're all made in the image of God. Amen? Amen. That's true. And I... 20 years ago, I wouldn't have thought I'd have to say this, but you know what? Not only, not only are women made in the image of God, but men are too. We're, we're, all, we're all made in the image of God, and all human life is equally sacred and affects um, gender, race, affects social status as well. There's a display that you saw on your way in, and for those who are online, you can scan this QR code or you can do that even in the room here today, and that'll take you to a landing page for war, women at risk. There's a number of you in the, our church does not support this organization, but a number of you individually do. And uh, there's some jewelry out there and some products, most of which are made by freed slaves. Did you know there's more slaves in the world today now than at any other time in human history? And why don't you hear about it? because the people in power and authority and controlling the narrative of the media do not believe all people are equally made in the image of God. And they don't care. And it's the worst kind of slavery. The, the international slave trade for sex where women and children are imprisoned and used in the most vile ways is bigger than the cocaine market. It's over a $100 billion industry. And if you are here and you go clicking on pornography online, you are supporting it. The enslavement and the abuse of women and children. And you say, well, I've never given any money. We know that's not how it works. It's all clicks. Clicks means advertising dollars. And you're a part of some of the worst evil that is going on in the world today. And you need help. You need to confess your sin to someone. You need to, you need to get out of that. But if you want to be on the other side of that and you want to help women to free them, they have sting operations, they go in, then it's almost like, uh, you know, the witness protection program. They got to move them to other countries sometimes to get them out of where they are because of the mafia that, that, that had enslaved them that, you know, they don't take kindly to having their property stolen. And, and so there's, there's like so much that goes on in this. And if you want to be a part of, of freeing them, you can stop by that table. You can, you know, pick up, you know, some information and be, because as believers in Jesus Christ, this is a message for believers. If you don't believe that God's word is the authority in your life, basically you, you are you're a, a reed in the wind. You can believe whatever you want, do whatever you want, but if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, all lives are equally sacred. And do we value, do you value all people equally? We need to. 
Um, it affects our actions and beliefs also about abortion. If all life is sacred, here's what Psalm 139.13 says, you created my inmost being. You, God, knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Some poetic language there. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And this photograph here that I have is, is by a, a Swedish photographer, Leonard Nilsson. From 1954 to 1965, he spent 12 years of his life photographing stillborn babies and was able actually to photograph one baby in the womb. And with the equipment they had in the 1960s, I don't know how that mom signed off on that, but <laughs> beautiful, beautiful pictures. This was the cover of Life magazine in 1965. Eight million copies sold out in two days, the fastest it ever sold out. And uh, Leonard Nielsen, not a Christian, but he said he de dedicated his life, he said, to make the invisible visible. That's what he wanted to do with his photography. And so, so many pictures. These are not pictures you will see in the mainstream media today. Why? Because they don't want you to think about people made in the image of God. Um, this is 18 weeks. Here, here's what the mainstream media says about this. And, and hold on, because I'm, I'm going to address, there's two groups of people here today. There are those who are considering abortion. There are those who will be considering abortion in the next year or two or whatever. And you need to know the truth and nobody else is going to tell you the truth. But then there's another group here today that you've had an abortion and there's guilt. And, and I'm, not, I'm going to talk and address that. There is forgiveness and, and there is, 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 is mercy and grace in Jesus Christ. And, but, but I want to talk to those right now that... that may be considering abortion in the future, and I want to talk about the truth of humanity and who we are. This is a lie. This is what you get in the mainstream media. The sound pregnant people hear during ultrasound at six weeks is entirely manufactured by the ultrasound machine. How many of you have gone and heard the heartbeat of your baby? Yeah, this, this OBGYN doctor is saying, no, 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 that wasn't a heartbeat of the baby you were hearing. Dr. Verna said, it's an electrical pulse that's translated to the sound we're hearing from the ultrasound machine. Is that true? Kind of. This is how microphones and speakers work. <laughs> if you're listening to this online right now, you're not hearing my voice. What you're hearing is entirely manufactured by the speaker on your phone or computer. And it's an electrical pulse that's translated from this microphone to the sound you're hearing on your computer. But does that mean I don't exist? Does that mean I'm not speaking? Does that mean I'm not alive? And it is lies like this. You have been manipulated and lied to over and over and over again. And the, the, the truth has been silenced. It's around 10 weeks, this doctor goes on to say of pregnancy that the embryo becomes a fetus and it remains a fetus until birth. Do you know what the difference is between a fetus developmentally and a baby? There is none. Do you know what the word fetus means? It's Latin. Do you know what it means? 
baby, infant. Do you know what it means in English? Baby, baby. infant. Why do we call a little girl a fetus? You have to dehumanize someone because if you dehumanize a person, then you can kill them and do whatever you want. We do this with, right? It's chattel. That's chattel. It's not a human being. We, we have to dehumanize because, because if, you, if you don't, uh, what they're counting on is that you don't ask questions. That's what you're counting on. They're counting on you not thinking about this too, too deeply, too, too significantly. Because if you do, their whole house of cards comes falling down because scientifically and medically and, and logically, forget the Bible, just go to science and medicine and logic, a fetus is a baby. And the people, it's a billion dollar industry. The people who are removing these arms and legs and severed heads from the mom, quickly hiding them so she doesn't see them, the people doing this, they know what they're doing. And they say, yeah, we're killing a baby, but there's really too many people on earth anyway. You know, probably grow up to be a criminal or the greatest soccer player ever, Ronaldo. His mom chose not to abort him even though that was recommended to her. He's gone on to... Here's, here's though what you need to understand. If you're here and you've had an abortion, first of all, you're not alone. There's a lot of women here. There's a number of women who've had abortions. And you need to understand that, that you can be forgiven. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And some of the greatest individuals in the Bible were murderers. David killed Uriah, a man more righteous than him. And yet God calls him a man after his own heart. After the murder. Why? Because he repented. The Apostle Paul, who wrote 12 books of the Bible, 13 books of the Bible, he, he, he helped murder the first believer. And yet he's forgiven. And, and so if you have had an abortion, and, and men as well, 100% of the time, there is a man involved in an abortion. In fact, I've read a study that recently came out, and they, they um, surveyed men, fathers who had lost their child through abortion, and they surveyed these fathers and by religious group and all of that, and even atheist fathers, this is a majority of all fathers, but even atheist fathers, the majority of them said, I have negative emotions tied to the abortion of my child but I'm not allowed to feel them and I'm not allowed to express them, but they're there. But I'm not allowed because then I'm a horrible person if I feel anything about losing my baby. Um, you know, the, you, you need to know if, if you have this in your past, if you pushed your girlfriend or boyfriend, you know, this is not true in the United States, but abortion worldwide, when they've surveyed women worldwide about their abortion, the majority of women worldwide will say, I don't feel like I had a choice because my parents told me we needed a boy and so I killed her because my husband or boyfriend said 
that, in fact, there, there is this huge gap in gender in, in India, in China, worldwide. It's a problem. There's millions of more men than women. Why? Because the women have been slaughtered in the name of women. <laughs> Women's rights, feminism. Let's kill millions more women than men. Um, it's, it's evil, you've been manipulated, you've been lied to, but you know what, you can be forgiven. And if God forgives you, and you want to be like God, you need to forgive yourself. And so this is not a message to make you feel more guilty or anything like that. It's to let you know that you are free if you have asked Jesus to be your Savior and to take your sins on the cross. That was on the cross, and you're free of it as far as the east is from the west. But you know what? Grace and truth. We also need to tell the truth, even though it's not politically popular. Here's another belief in action it affects. It affects our beliefs and actions about euthanasia. And here's something someone in the media said. If this person had said this 50 years ago, they would have been fired and, and ostracized. She was probably promoted. We just have far too many old people. It's ridiculous to be living in a country where we can put dogs to sleep, but not people. Euthanasia vans, that's the solution. Just like ice cream vans, that would come to your home and they might even have a nice little tune they'd play and put you down. More and more, did you know that across the border in Canada, 3.3% of all deaths last year were the government killing people. It's called the MAID program. Talk about, talk about Handmaiden's Tale like dystopian future made medical assistance in dying. They want to expand it for minors. And that's been delayed, but I'm sure, they'll, I'm sure they'll pass it. Here's the thing. The number two cause of death in Canada from the teenage years to 34 years of age, number two cause of death is suicide. And so they launch these programs. Don't kill yourself. At the same time, launching a program saying, unless a government doctor signs off on it. In that case, better, better for society. And, and this euthanasia has gone from the right to die to a duty to die. You have a duty to die. We have limited health care resources for our population, and you're a drain. Let's help you stop draining the system. Or in the United States, you know, there's, I think, 10 or 11 states that different types of laws about euthanasia, but, you know, this duty to die. You worked all your life to, to save this money. Don't you want your kids and grandkids to have some of it? You don't want to waste it on end-of-life care for you. How selfish. The right thing to do, the courageous thing to do, would have a doctor come and poison you to death. And, and I... I know this is a complicated subject, and, and, but you know what? All human life is sacred no matter how little is left. And there is a big difference between passively letting God shut the body down and pushing God out of the way and saying, I'm going to do it my way. And you know, all life is sacred. Money is not sacred. Money is not sacred. One story about this, there's a family in our church and their mom was in ICU. I went to the hospital, was meeting with them. They were making that difficult decision. Do we take her off the ventilator? 
And so the family wasn't on the same page, a bunch of kids, you know, and so they waited, and then all but maybe one were on the same page, and they, they you know, the doctors were pushing, they're saying, you know what, you know, it's time, she's not going to get better, things are, and so they, they, they made that difficult decision, let's take mom off the ventilator. And so they did, and not uncommon, you know, at least she, at least she can have her last moments without a tube stuck down her throat, you know, and so they took that out, and as is not uncommon, she, began, she continued to breathe for a few minutes. But what was uncommon is she continued to breathe for a few hours. And they didn't know what to do. And eventually they started going home and taking shifts. And she started getting better. And she was released from the ICU. And, and she went home. <laughs> Why? Because there's a difference between passively letting God shut the body down or not and pushing God out of the way and saying, I'm God, I decide. Do, do you love and care about and value all people like God does, no matter how little of their life is left, even if it's your own? I've done hundreds of funerals. This is something I've never heard at a funeral. Mom was a quitter. Dad he was a coward. He was a give-up kind of guy. Never heard that. But what I've heard quite a bit, Dad was a fighter. He had cancer for over 10 years, and he fought it. Not because he wanted to live even, because he was miserable, but he fought it because he wanted to have more time to be with us and to give us. Because he loved us. He was a fighter. She was a fighter right to the end, because all life is sacred of inestimable value, because we're made in the image and likeness of God. Let me tell you, there's a great man who passed away this week, Dale Grosvenor. He was God-like. He was like Jesus. And, you know, it doesn't matter, he's 87, doesn't matter how much time is left, we need to live every moment that God gives us. Do you value all people like God does? You know, I've, I've, I've said this before, I'll probably, hopefully, have the opportunity to say it a hundred times more. God's goal for this church and for you as an individual, he doesn't want this church to be the cool church. He doesn't want that. He doesn't want this to be the big church. He doesn't want this to be the contemporary church or the church with the great kids ministry. What God wants this church to be, what God wants your life to be, is the loving church, the loving person. And I just, just want to encourage all of us to do that. There, there's a, if you want to give to CareNet Pregnancy Center, there's bottles at the Welcome Center that you can pick up online. Uh, I'm sure in the chat they can let you know how to support that organization. Our church gives tens of thousands of dollars every year to Life Choices Center in Broome County and CareNet um, Crisis Pregnancy Center here in Susquehanna County and in Wyoming County. And, and some of you have volunteered uh, for that organization as well. Like every, and, you know, even beyond that, I'm so grateful. I mentioned this a few weeks ago. We have over 30 adopted teenagers and children in our church right now and a half a dozen fostered kids right now. 
We care about moms when they're pregnant and we care about the baby they're pregnant with. We care about moms and dads after pregnancy. We care about kids. Like we need to love as God does. In fact, John 3, 16, for God so loved white people. No, no. For God so loved women. No, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your love for us. And God, I ask that you would help us to love you back and then out of the overflow of that love that we would love one another, that we would love people that are struggling right now, that, that, are, that are hurting, that are confused, that are in pain. God, people that don't think they have a choice, God, I just ask that you just help us to love all people and to value all people as of infinite value made in your image. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.